Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, one of the Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs. The show is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcasted nationally on the Community Radio Network. This is Women on the Line and I'm your host, Tan Hang Pham. Women on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nations. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. On today's Women on the Line, we chat with the fabulous Paola Bala about black matriarchy and powerful black women making art. Later in the show, we chat with Kirsten Little, who recently spoke at the Centre for Contemporary Photography's Codes of Practice, Indigenous Subjects and Indigenous Photographers event. She will be chatting with us about indigenising photography and weaving. But first, let's hear from Paola. My name is Paola Bala and uh, my people are Wemba Wemba and Gunditjmara. I'm also the daughter of a Calabrese migrant and um, I'm an artist, uh, curator, writer and mum when I have time <laughs> for my kids. <laughs> Welcome to Women on the Line. So I wanted to ask you, your work is currently featured in the exhibition Next Matriarch at Ace Open in Adelaide. Can you tell us about the exhibition and your work featured in it? Yeah, I'm very, very excited and honoured to be in Next Matriarch at Ace Open. Uh, it's part of the Taranadi um, uh, National uh, Contemporary Indigenous Arts Festival. Um, and there are, yeah, there's seven of us in the show and um, the other six women just blow my mind. They're incredibly talented and strong and powerful and very funny women as well um, and come from different Aboriginal nations all over the country. The work of mine that I have in there is I called uh, Lovescapes and mm. it's I guess there's two elements to it. Um, f- physically there's two elements. So there's a five-metre-long uh, wide um, wallpaper and that is 1.5 metres high. So it's a really big work. It's the biggest work I've ever made, so that in itself excited me. Um, and the image on that wallpaper is of my matriarchal country, uh, our Wemba Wemba lands, our homelands. And um, it's of a special um, spot on a creek there on the Tamudgery Creek outside of my great auntie's place. Um, and it's, you know, it's our ancestral homeland. So it's a beautiful um, image of the riverbank, of the creek bank. Um, there's water, gum trees. And um, it's, a, it's a place that I feel very connected and very um very strongly in love with really like I just I love our country so much and it brings so much comfort and joy when I'm there and and for my family and my kids and then in front of that I've placed um six uh really large photographs so they're two meters long and they're about um 80 centimeters wide um and they're photographs that are printed on um, acetate film so it's transparent and the images on there of uh, my great-great-grandmother um, my great grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, myself, and then my daughter, um, and so all of these women are, you know, they're very powerful and strong matriarchs to me, and they teach me who I am, um, where I've come from, and all the stories that that make us up. So those photographs are situated in front of that wallpaper, so that when you look into the photographs, you can see, 
you know, our women and how beautiful and strong and proud they are. But you can also see um, through them onto country and that country is um, our basis for being, you know, and it's part of who we are and, and we're part of it and not in a flora and fauna kind of, you know, Darwinian scientific way, mm. but that we embody country and that she's our mother, you know, that's Mother Earth and that's our mother country. So I wanted to convey the sense of, of the power I get from those um, relationships to my matriarchs. Is your own photograph featured in the work as well? Yeah, so I've placed myself there amongst all these incredible women that I adore. So um, the first three photographs are in black and white. So that's my great-great-grandmother. So that's Papa, Mariah Day. And then my great-grandmother's nanny, Nancy uh, Egan, who was a day also, and then my mum Margie um, Tang, um, because her grandfather was Chinese, so mum carries mm. that name. And then there's myself and then my daughter Rosie, who's named after my grandmother. Um, so I, I wanted to place myself because that's the lineage that I belong in and that's where I grow my identity from and that's where I grow identity for my for my children and future generations. So I wanted to visualise how, how we belong to each other. Amongst being an artist, you're also a writer and a curator. Can you tell me how they may be different to being an artist itself? Yeah, I kind of get bored, you know, focusing on one practice. So um, as a child, you know, uh, I was either drawing or writing or reading and or making little dioramas too. I was obsessed with doing that. So um, they all go hand in hand for me. And I think the diorama making might be an early sign of what I was going to do as a curator, you know, like putting things together and telling stories in a three-dimensional way. The writing and the art making really go hand in hand because sometimes when it when I go to write something, I see it visually. And then when I go to make something, I actually see it in written form first. So um, it's just a funny way my brain works in, you know, telling. it's all about telling story, really. You're the inaugural recipient of the Lisa Belair Indigenous Postgraduate Scholarship. Can you tell us about your PhD? Thank you. I'm really proud to, to be the recipient um, of that of that. Um, scholarship that's named in the incredible late great Lisa Belair's honour. Um, I, I got to know Lisa. Um, she mentored me. She was very kind to me as she was for many, many, many people. Um, so for my PhD, I'm able to be supported by that scholarship at Victoria University. So we have an Indigenous academic centre there um, in Dani Balak. And so I get to participate there as a lecturer and a researcher. Um, and my research is about celebrating and situating the ways that Aboriginal women artists and activists um, speak back and speak black through art, you know, and, and activism. And are there any golden nuggets that you've found along the way during your research? <laughs> um, look, I see them all the time. I think yeah. just, um, I think speaking with going to the exhibitions of other Aboriginal women artists, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and um, other First Nations women, um, there's always some you know, sparkle or glitter uh, mm. of something that hasn't been told previously. So I think that's what excites me so much. And also that as as women, um, artists and creatives, we often don't have the time to stop and document our work. Mm. And also that people just aren't as interested in documenting the work of women. So it's really important that we do that. Um, we can't wait for men or for anybody else to do it or for white people to do it. Um because they have done it in the past, but it's our job to actually tell our own stories in our own way. So I think, you know, I just said these golden nuggets are everywhere all the time. I am hearing a lot of stories, but I'm going to save them okay, yeah. <laughs> for now. Um, I am creating a new body of work. Um, it's a creative um, p 
project PhD that I'm doing. So I'll create a whole new body of work and I'll be visiting other women artists in their studios um, mm. to talk to them about their practice and same kind of questions you're putting to me, I'll be putting to them and, and talking about country and talking about where our stories and motivations come from for making work um, and also to create a big archive. So it might take another shape after the exhibition. It might be, um, you know, a website of sorts where we can collate our stories and our practices. Um, but I just don't want to see the work of, you know, any more Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander women left, you know, unspoken and undocumented. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Paola Bala speak on black matriarchy and powerful black women making art, right here on Women on the Line. Don't forget, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I was listening to a podcast of um, you and Carly Shepard speaking earlier this year at Women of the World Festival, and you were talking about the word matriarch and the word feminist and how you identify with both of them. Could you elaborate on that, please? Mm, um, yeah, I really grapple with um, the notion of white feminism as it exists, you know, because I, I, I think subsequent waves of feminism have, haven't really involved us or haven't really spoken to us as First Nations women. Um, I'm not against the ideals of feminism at all and, and in theory I absolutely believe in them but there are big differences between um, Aboriginal women's lived experience and that of um, people who claim to be our allies and and sometimes being an ally is more than just saying that you are you know we need that kind of action Um, but for me a matriarchal way of being is about you know the country I was speaking about before in my matriarchs, it's it's as old as our country itself. Um, it's embedded within us about these ways of being, the ways of conducting our society as Aboriginal women where we're the authority. You know, we keep the stories and the genealogies and um, we protect story and we nurture new story. So that for me is, is a matriarchal authority, a female authority and power that was already here but it was damaged by colonisation. So I don't necessarily see that feminism is actually the way forward for us to heal from the injuries of colonialism. Um, there has to be a new one and part of it for me is smashing patriarchy. So, um, And patriarchy is a tool of colonisation. So, you know, it, it has to be sort of dismantled, I think. Perhaps a new form of feminism, one that would be inclusive and it's in truly intersectional, um, is one that excites me. But yeah, so I guess if anything, I call myself, a, you know, a black matriarch or, or a black feminist. What you're saying um, reminds me of a lot of what Lisa Belair spoke about. I remember reading when she, uh, when the the Close to You exhibition was yeah. out last year, there was yeah. the catalogue and yeah. there was a lot of her writing in that catalogue. And she spoke about how, um, I think she had a piece on curly head fem- and black feminism mm-hmm. um, and spoke about race coming before feminism, but that being entwined as well. Absolutely. Um, do you think that a lot has shifted for um, black Aboriginal women since the time that Lisa, the late Lisa Belair was writing about this stuff? I think that it's shifted within us and by us for us it doesn't shift outside of us and that's why our struggle never finishes Mm. it's why it's always unfinished business what we're doing and you know Lisa was so articulate and intelligent in in how she manifested all of those stories you know and I I love that poem in particular and um, I was very lucky enough to be invited to speak at the launch of um, Close to You at the Metro West Footscray exhibition you know receiving Lisa's scholarship and 
absolutely what she was saying is spot on, you know, and that still in 2017 that gender does not trump race in this country. Mm. And so um, until... Until that day, you know, yeah. unfortunately, just being fellow women doesn't make us sisters. It has to be more mm. than that, you know, and um, we you can't erase the reality, the live reality of our um, daily structural racism that we encounter um, and all the microaggressions that we encounter. It, it's not taken away by saying that we're in solidarity with each other because we identify as women. You know, it takes more work than that. So um, what Lisa said then is still as relevant as as now. And um, But I take great inspiration from her work and I think people will for generations to come from what Lisa had to say. So your work looks at both trauma and powerful black women. Is healing present in your work too? Yeah, it is. It's really funny because with my PhD, when I first started to articulate it or to attempt to, um, I was trying. I just kept trying to write um, and and conceptualize a healing project over and over and over again, and I realised that. Um, it was too forced and it wasn't going to work. So what I actually needed to do was um, to allow the trauma stories and the um, the addressing of those trauma stories just to be present. And, in fact, the healing work comes later. So, for, I mean, for me, my, my personal um, healing story is that I don't, I don't think I'd be able to be conducting the work that I'm doing now if I hadn't gone through the work, the very hard work of healing, and that's taken me... Um, you know, twenty about 20 years of my 43 years now. And I had to really look at square in the eye and deal with it, you know, in order to um, get to the point where I can talk about it in an effective way that isn't um, traumatising for other people and isn't triggering for our women, but is in a way where I can hold that space and have the conversations that are needed. So I think that's part of the purpose for it. And also that when you present these stories, you need to sort of let the healing settle and find itself. You can't force healing on somebody, you know. And and I think and also to do healing work, you need to be healed yourself as much as possible. Are there any particular artists or that you're particularly excited about or you want to work with or that whose work you think that should have more of a spotlight? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, the women in Next Matriarch I'm, I've never shown with before, so that was absolutely exciting to me, really thrilling. Um, the work of Ali Baker, who's in the show, um, who is based on Ghana country and um, is such a strong woman. She's uh, completing her PhD with the Unbound Collective that she works with um, and that's with three other Aboriginal women. They are a force to be reckoned with. They're incredible. They're all based around Ghana country. And Ali's work addresses um, the Aboriginal woman's body and, um, you know, really um, speaking back to all those colonised spaces and institutional spaces. I love being in a show with her Um her work is very exciting and very powerful. To be in a show with Kayleen Whiskey, her paintings are just phenomenal and really exciting and very quirky and funny and honest and super bright and celebrate heroes like Tina Turner and Cher. <laughs> and so all these like wild, you know, sort of um, female icons in a black way, which is really cool and really fun. And Hannah Bronte's work is in the show as well, her video work. So um, I could talk for hours and days about all the beautiful black queens that I want to be in shows with Um, and I will and I hope to do that through my PhD. Great, amazing. Um, So is there anything else coming up for you aside from working on your PhD that you'd like to share with Women on the Line listeners? Mm, I I just think the ongoing sort of collaboration that happens between other Aboriginal 
women um, goddess queens on, on, you know, cool and country here in Melbourne um, just needs to keep happening because there's a lot who were sort of working collectively and we're often sort of um, slipping across collectives together. So we're sort of overlapping and going into, um, you know, really amazing events and things that are happening around town at the moment. So, you know, the young um, warriors from Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance um, do brilliant work, Arika and Mariki and Darnine and Gabby Briggs, Black Tings, their collective is brilliant. Yeah, I think there's, there's just keep your eyes and ears out because there's so much good stuff going out on that black vine. But I'm just looking forward really to getting into the guts of, of my project and making new work over the next year and that'll be showing in um, April 2019. You just heard from Paula Bala and she's on Twitter at Paula Bala, P-A-O-L-A, B-A-L-L-A and her exhibition Next Matriarch is currently at Ace Open in Adelaide until the 9th of December. I'm your host, Tan Hung Pham, and you're listening to Women on the Line. Hi, I'm Kirsten Little, and I'm an artist and academic, I guess. I noticed that a majority of your photography work features women of the past and the present, and you also incorporate weaving into it. Could you tell us about your practice? Sure. So I was trained as a photographer and went through art school. Well, I started off going to art school and I thought I was a painter and then I realised at art school I wasn't because there were painters who were much better than I was Um, and I kind of fell into photography and went through and I guess one of the things about photography at art school is they make you put, to touch a photograph, you need to wear little white gloves and that's essentially so that you're protecting the surface of the photograph because otherwise it gets fingerprints and marks and... Um, my heritage is Māori and there's something kind of at odds with a coloured girl wearing little white gloves anyway that's got all sorts of bad connotations from um, racist kind of mammy impersonations right through to um, domestic service. So for me, wearing white gloves never quite sat very well and at the same time um, I come from a culture that is very tactile and wants to touch objects. So photographs and carvings and all that sort of stuff are actually spoken to as though they're real, they're touched physically. So for me it was kind of a natural evolution to start cutting up photographs and then physically weaving them. Mm, that's so interesting because... I guess like Western ways of taking photographs, you don't cut up photos. Yeah. That's seen as something bad. Yeah. So I remember you were speaking at CCP um, and talking about how photographs are very tactile. They're not just representations. Yes. Um, yeah. Could you talk more about that? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, I think photographs, at, in Māori culture, a photograph is, is brought out of ancestors when people have deceased. So it's not just the person, but their whole family comes. So a, a photograph is actually, it's treated almost like a carving and like a representation of the person. So that person is still part of a family gathering. So uh, for me, I think photographs, they're not a two-dimensional thing. I think they, they have a lot more um, power in them than that. And um, yeah, for me, it was really important to start um, I don't know, trying to associate the tactile with photography because I was also trained as a digital photographer. So it's totally computers and mice and, you know, you never touch anything, let alone having white gloves. So the digital process was really removed, um, especially from any kind of physical touch. So, yeah, it began... um, Like the when I started weaving photographs, I was looking at... I started with um, tourist images and it would take me up to 10 days to weave a photograph. 
So the idea of staring at a photograph for 10 days is something we don't do. Um, and I felt it was it's an odd thing to do, but I felt like the women in the photographs were almost um, participants. They were collaborators. They were people I was working with. I talked to them. I knew every kind of aspect of their their shape, their hair in that image. And I did talk to them. How did you come to um, choose these women who you would photograph? I only photograph weavers. I think the camera has been used in general as a massive tool for colonisers. And it's really hard to... There's always that power imbalance embedded in photography. You know, people will talk about getting shot by a camera. You're literally capturing an image. So there's this really aggressive and kind of masculine um, legacy that photography has. And as a female Indigenous, you know, Māori photographer, I really wanted to change that around. So one of the things that's really important for me is that I'm on the same level as the person I'm photographing. Mm-hmm. So I only photograph or use historical photos of women who are like me, who are either Māori or um, Indigenous, and they weave. Mm-hmm. So for me, there has to be something shared. I can't just take something from someone like taking the photograph. I need to give them something as well. You um, currently have um, your work featured at CCP as part of the exhibition, uh, what's it called? An Unorthodox Flow of Images. But you were working with found images, is yes. that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, how did you come across these found images and what compelled you to that particular image? The original is um, its tiny. It would be um, it's smaller than... It's like half the size of a postcard, the original. It's really little. And it was, I found it in a a shop in Auckland in a market. They have a Victoria market there as well. And and it was a shop selling photographs of of Maori people. A lot of tourist, old tourist stuff. Um, And it was largely being sold to, again, a tourist market. So for me, buying them, buying these images was almost like a way to reclaim them. Um, They were staged, so they were taken, they were made during the 1950s in Rotorua, which is a tourist town. So they were always made to be sold, which is kind of controversial in in themselves. And for me, I guess what I wanted to do is is lift them outside of the tourist industry and kind of reclaim them because... The women in the photographs were still weaving, Mm. Um, but some of the labelling was wrong. So even in the image at CCP, it had a label underneath that said Māori's weaving baskets. They're actually weaving a cloak, and any Māori weaver can tell that. So (laughs) it's been labelled wrong to begin with, and I guess for me it was that idea of um, taking them away from the tourist industry um, re-owning them and trying to kind of through three-dimensionally weaving them, turn them into a Māori object again that had significance and value. Before you were saying that you take photographs of women who weave, yeah. why is it um, only women who weave? Because um, I'm a weaver and um, and that way... So I started weaving. I began learning how to weave in about 2011 um, and I learnt, um, I joined up with the Pacific Women's Weaving Circle who was started, founded by Lisa Hilly and uh, Marianne Talia Powell. Um, and for me it was just, uh, I think I was really craving the tactile after years of photography and um, it became a way to kind of connect culturally with other women and meet other brown women. And I started to see myself as a student of, of weaving, I guess. And then I've I've gone on to I just came back um, from New Zealand where I was at a weaving hui about three weeks ago, um, which was amazing to meet a whole lot of you know, like just Maori weavers and 
aunties and yeah hearing all this all their stories was amazing and and watching how fast they are so yeah I call myself a, a weaver but against so many Maori weavers I'm totally a novice. I guess like in photography there's often like the object and then the person taking the photo yeah so there's the distance between the person who's taking the photo and what's being photographed but it seems like with you you're trying to take away that gap yeah yeah totally are there ways that you feel like there's actually tangible ways you can bridge that gap more between being the photographer and I guess being the subject yeah I think I I think there's really um for a start for me the photograph is almost it's it's not as important as the entire process so it's Mm -hmm. only that's not the be all in the end all for me and I think for a lot of photographers it is like sometimes I won't end up with a necessarily great photograph in terms of it's not as sharp as I want or all of that sort of stuff but the creation of the photograph has like it starts with conversation it starts with time I need to sit down with people we negotiate part of the process is that um, I need to have taught them a weave or to have weaved woven with them mm. or learnt something from them so there's there's some kind of cultural exchange that goes on so um, all of that process and then a lot of the times we eat I think part of the way of changing it I also don't I don't shoot in the studio a lot of the time I have people come to my own home so I'm changing the power balance by treating people as guests they'll come over they'll eat first we'll chat we'll eat then we'll put all the food away then we weave mm. then we then we take some photographs. Wow, yeah, there's a, definitely like a ritual. So to it. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite a long process. It's like, so for me, uh, the shooting part is really fast. That's like half an hour. But mm. the rest of it is days, weeks, months of planning. Are there any other photographers who particularly are like exciting you or weavers as well who you like to work with in the community? Yeah, I mean, the um, I'm part of a, um, in, in terms of artists who... Um, inspire me. There's so many Indigenous artists in Australia who are brilliant, especially in photography. We're just blessed with an amazing um, amount of artists. Um, looking at Destiny Deacon's work got me through art school because it was like, yes! <laughs> yes <laughs> Someone, Destiny yeah, yeah, her work's just so amazing. Um, in terms of weaving, so I sort of, I, I'm such a researcher, I have to break it up into categories. I guess there's there's Australian indigenous artists, then there's um, Maori artists like Lisa Raihana, mm-hmm. um, who was at the Venice, Venice Biennale this year. And um, her work's amazing. In terms of weaving, the weavers I meet and the aunties in the community are really the ones who, who inspire mm. a great deal. So Kui Taukilo, she's a weaver who was part of the Pacific Women's Weaving Circle when that was um, up and running, is a master weaver. Like mm. just, I learnt a lot of skills from her. Are you working on anything in particular at the moment? I know you're writing a PhD. Yeah, right? yep. yeah, yeah. Which, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, writing the PhD, which is supposed to get submitted in October. So is that's it yeah. related to photography? Yeah, I'm basically looking at ways to kind of indigenise the camera, I guess, and mm. camera processes and stuff, and make them aligned with Māori cultural art practice. Upcoming is thesis work, but also I'll be having two solo shows in early 2018, one at CCP and one at Black Dot Gallery. You just heard from Kirsten Little on indigenising photography and weaving. Find more of her work at kirstenlittle.com.au, K-I-R-S-T-E-N 
lyttle.com.au. Women on the Line is one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Programme. It is produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show. Send us an email at womenonthelion at gmail.com. Our programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash womenonthelion. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I've been your host, Tan Hung Pham, and tune in again next time.